This is episode number 84 with Nilsson Ramirez. Welcome to the Practical Christian Podcast. My name is Travis Albritton, your friendly neighborhood Bible teacher, and every day we'll dive into the tips, tricks, and hacks that you can implement in your daily life to become a more effective Christian. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Now let's jump in to your daily dose of Practical Christian Training. Well, hey guys, welcome back to another exciting interview here on the podcast. If my voice sounds a little froggy, it's because I'm (laughs) just getting over a cold as I uh, do this introduction, but it's all right, I'm here. I'm here for you guys. I'm committed. (laughs) So thanks for uh, tuning in this morning. But uh, today's guest, I'm very excited about, uh, got an opportunity to sit down with Nilsson, who is an evangelist at uh, Anchor Point Church in Tampa, Florida. And uh, the reason that I wanted to have him on was he has a very unique perspective on ministry and how specifically we can use social media to help us spread the gospel. And, you know, he started a Christian YouTube channel about a year ago called Son of Nil, and uh, the the purpose behind it, the reason behind it was very fascinating. So I definitely wanted to get him on the podcast and let him uh, just talk about that. And so some of the things that you'll hear on this ep- on this episode are how becoming a father changed his approach to ministry, which I was personally invested in that answer since I'm, you know, ex- my wife and I are expecting, and uh, I definitely appreciated his insight there. Uh, the bigger purpose behind starting his YouTube channel, other than becoming YouTube famous, which wasn't <laughs> actually the reason he decided to start one. And then the thing that I think was really important was we talked about why social media is the biggest opportunity we have as Christians to seek and save the lost in a long time, and really just how to leverage different platforms to help people become Christians. But uh, I really appreciated this interview. I know you get a lot out of it. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Nilsson Ramirez. Well, hey, Nilsson, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. It's great to have you. What up? <laughs> so just for uh, everyone who may not know who you are, if you can just give a little three-minute rundown of uh, what you do, uh, how you became a Christian, all that kind of jazz. Um, I wish my story was worth three minutes, but it'll probably be shorter than that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, my name is Nelson Ramirez. I'm married to beautiful, phenomenal woman of God named Elena. And um, I was born in Dominican Republic, third world country, uh, sharing an island in Haiti, and I moved to America when I was seven. Um, I was raised partially by my parents, partially by my grandparents, uh, because when my parents moved to America, they had to leave me behind just for the sake of money and being able to set stuff up for me. Uh, Then I moved to New York, and I've moved pretty much every six years of my life. So when I was about six, about to turn seven, I moved to New York. When I was about to turn 12 or 13, I moved to New Jersey. When I was turning 18, I moved to Gainesville, Florida. When I was turning 24, I moved back to New York. And then I broke the six-year cycle and after four years moved to Tampa, Florida, which is where I am today. Um, I uh, became a Christian a few years after my parents did. And the number one reason why I think I became a Christian is because I saw them change. I saw them go from a couple on the brink of divorce to a couple that now was having family devotionals. And uh, I knew what I saw beforehand. I knew something had changed. And so that, I think, inspired me 
so I became a Christian at 13, um, and, uh, had ups and downs in my faith. But then, uh, when I went to the university of Florida for college, I think that was where I really soared and, uh, committed to wanting to not just be a committed follower of God for the rest of my life, but wanting to help others to come to God. And so that's why I went into the ministry. I became an intern in the campus ministry there at university of Florida. And then eventually the campus minister and was there leading the campus for about four or five years, uh, eventually alongside Kyle Eastman, who currently leads the campus ministry there. Um, and then I, uh, was, and then I moved, I moved to New York and led the campus ministry there. Schools like, uh, Columbia university and NYU. That's where I met my wife and, she was an intern at first. She and and um, and I shamelessly dated her. And, uh, <laughs> it worked <laughs> out. It worked it out. Worked. It sure did. It definitely worked <laughs> out for me. Didn't work out for the other guys that liked her, but it worked out for me. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, yeah. And so we got married there. We had a winter wedding. It snowed like twelve inches of snow on the day of our wedding, which was really cool. Sadly, half of the invites said there will be a desert reception instead of dessert reception. So that was weird. But um, we <laughs> promised a winter wedding and a desert reception instead of a dessert reception. That Just was my bad. Trying to be all things to all people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it was great. And then uh, we moved here to Tampa. Uh, we were in the Manhattan church. We were in Big Apple Church in Manhattan and then moved to Tampa about two and a half years ago. And um, have uh, taken over a lot of the direction uh, of the church here and have been entrusted with a ton and uh, helping lead the church with, along with two other evangelists here and uh, responsible for a lot, responsible for our outreach and uh, our rebranding. And uh, I run our Sunday services and do most of the preaching and lead our millennials ministry and our campus ministry and um, young marrieds. And so, yeah, it's a lot of fun. We're doing a lot. Have our, we have our, one year old and my wife is uh we just found out recently that she is pregnant with our second so congrats man that's very exciting yeah so so was it in uh going through campus ministry is that where kind of the the spark or the idea that you know maybe i want to do full-time ministry as like my job is that where it started or how did that how did you decide that that's something you wanted to pursue I think it started when I was 12 and then I think I didn't know what I had, what had been sparked in me through high school, but I knew I wanted to keep it. And then I think it was solidified or the cement settled on my, the dream for my life and what I think God's vision for my life was when I was in college. When I was 12 years old, I uh, was living in Harlem, New York. And I remember we had, there was a sermon, uh, we went to the church, I'm trying to become Christians. Like I mentioned, uh, we went to service and brother named uh, James Warren did a sermon about being vulnerable and being honest. And there's this whole thing. But when he was finished, the uh, many in the church turned around, like turned their chairs around toward each other and started confessing sins and being vulnerable and crying. And as a 12 year old in Harlem, like that was the last thing I expected to see was seeing grown men and women being vulnerable and honest. So that day I decided, I, I realized, I don't know what that guy just said on stage, but I want to do what he does because he just impacted people. And that evolved over time. That evolved over time. And, you know, you, you come to learn that ministry is more than just preaching on Sunday, of course. <laughs> um, some people say that's, that's just the fun part, the easy part, or the vacation, that it's Monday through Saturday. That's the real work. And I agree. And, um, and so I think that was solidified in college when I helped, you know, several people become Christians and saw the life change that that produced. 
I totally agree with you that the perception of full-time ministry is that your job is to speak in front of people, kiss babies and marry people. But so, so, so tell me about, so this, this is something I want to know, like personally, whenever things aren't going well, whenever your, your work, you feel overworked under it's inspired, like just nothing is going well. Like how do you, personally persevere through those dry seasons in ministry? I think the best way for me to answer that honestly is to admit that I think I'm wired uh, a little differently. Like I thrive off of that. Uh, I really love challenges. I really love um, like when things are hard, when there are difficult conversations that that need to be had, uh, when there is a crisis, I feel like that's what I signed up for. Um, Now I don't, desire crisis for anybody. And I don't desire desire dysfunction for people's families or things of that nature, but I feel like that's my job. Therefore, I feel in many ways like a firefighter or an EMT, someone who is called in for that. That's, that's when that, when that alarm rings, that's the, that's the inspiration. That's the thing that drives me. That's the thing that, um, that moves me. And so when I'm uninspired though, um, so that's how I respond to when bad situations arise or there's difficulty. But when I'm uninspired, uh, I have a couple of different things I turn to. Um, there's certain podcasts and speakers that uh, almost always get me going. Um, and some are religious, some are preachers, some are just uh, businessmen or uh, economists. I was an economy major, um, economics major, I mean. And, um, so people like Malcolm, Malcolm Gladwell, I mean, just the way his, he thinks and his mind works, uh, moved me pretty much any quote from the rock when he was a wrestler, <laughs> uh, inspired yeah. me. Um, so that, that definitely gets did it, me. Did it inspire you to take up cooking? Did it? <laughs> just what the rock is cooking. <laughs> I wish, I wish I was a better cook, uh, but I, I am not. That's all right, um, man. And then, and then I have, uh, I have like notes on my phone of, um, just reminders to myself and things to, uh, kind of like, I call it my personal compass. So I have certain phrases that I go and I look at. So for example, one of them is live urgently, love fervently and measure patiently. Um, so mm, that, I love that. Another phrase I've written down is re- relentless, regardless regardless of the situation, I need to be relentless. And then I have like a, I don't know, life mission or, or a vision statement for my life that, that I created years ago. And, um, and that was that my, my occupation is to occupy heaven. So when I remember that my occupation is to occupy heaven, um, that kind of just gets me going. Certain phrases like that, certain things like that move me. Dude, I love that. I love all of that. I need you to send me those notes. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to start using that. Um, so you mentioned uh, in the beginning that uh, you have a, you and your wife have a one-year-old and you're expecting as well, yeah. which is incredible. And so, so I want to know in what ways has becoming a father changed your approach to ministry? And I'm, I'm asking this for a friend. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's, it's changed it. Uh, I, I think that has been the greatest challenge of my time in ministry so far. So um, I write very quickly. The greatest showman has become one of my favorite movies of all time. Yes. And my wife and I went, my wife and I went to watch it a few weeks ago. It was like a personal, 
uh, discipling time, counseling time for us because we have wrestled with, I've wrestled with uh, having really uh, powerful dream. I mean, my vision for what God's going to do with my life, what God's going to use me for, uh, my desire to fulfill his mission is very grand. And there is a tension between having great aspirations and also being a great family man. Um, it is hard to do both 100%. And uh, that has been true of some of our greatest visionaries, our greatest producers, our greatest artists, um, our greatest athletes. And I think it's true of some of the greatest men of God in Scripture. I mean, you, we love David, but his family life was rough. Um, we don't hear a lot about Moses' family life once he starts, but I'm going to assume it wasn't easy. But there's a lot of examples, <laughs> right? There's a lot of dysfunction you see in, in Scripture with some of these great men. Um, and so for me, uh, the hardest thing has been how I can be all out fully committed to God's work, but um, not at the expense of my family. And that has been difficult. And there have been times where I have failed that. And so my wife and I, uh, once a week, uh, we talk Monday mornings, we talk about how things are going. And that's always a topic of conversation. Either, hey, it's been really great. I felt really considered. Or, hey, you know, I think you need to spend more time here or consider more there. And so I think that's been the greatest challenge um, but I think it has aided me in being a father as many say, you know, tell, told me it would, it has aided me to understand what God <laughs> goes through more, you know, and looking at, looking at us as his children. I think that's been, that's been big. And I feel like I've, un- I understand a different layer of the sacrifice of the cross. Um, I think that's helped me. I think it's softened me because I have a daughter. So, um, I think it's helped me to be a little more gracious and considerate and, um, emotionally aware, maybe. So, yeah, I'm yeah, looking. I'm, I'm hoping. I'm hoping my little baby girl is gonna soften me up a little bit. <laughs> oh, you know what the girl? <laughs> yes, it's gonna be a girl. Nice. Yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations, thanks, man. Thanks, man. You guys have a name already? Riley. Riley, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, we're we're pretty pumped. Riley's gonna be something else. Fortune, force of nature. If she's anything like her mom. So Riley was actually our first choice. Um, and, then, and then we heard of a friend who had named their daughter Riley. And so we're like, all right, so we can't do that. And then we fell in love with Harper. And then we found out that our friend actually didn't name their daughter Riley. So it was like, oh, it was always on the table. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for letting us uh, use the name because we love the name. Um, awesome. Well, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about uh, your YouTube channel, because this was actually, I think the first time that, uh, you were really like on my personal radar. Like I had known of you just through common relationships. Um, but, uh, when I saw you start putting out videos on your YouTube channel, that was really the first time that I said, Oh wow, I really want to get to know Nelson. So talk about, you know, just briefly what inspired you to create your YouTube channel and tell us a little bit about what it's about. Yeah, my YouTube channel is called Son of Nil. Um, it's a play on my name and a play on uh, Son of Man. I'm not the Son of Man, obviously, um, but <laughs> there's a lot behind uh, the origin of my name, and it was a mistake. And anyways, so so that's the name of it, Son of Nil. And what sparked it was that my daughter. I had thought of maybe doing a YouTube channel years ago, but didn't really have a reason or compelling enough reason to get me started. And when I found out I was having a daughter, I thought about 
how I was preparing our apartment for her, how I was preparing, uh, you know, the car and all the safety stuff, getting all these uh, different baby toys and, you know, things of that nature. And I thought, this is cool. She's going to come in and have a bunch of toys and a bunch of stuff. But what am I doing to prepare the world for her? Like, what am I doing to prepare how she's going to uh, be raised, the people she's going to meet, the culture she's going to interact with uh, as she grows up? Uh, how she will engage with the environments around her and the people around her. And I thought, well, I mean, I, I mean, I'm a pastor, so I guess I'm, I'm influencing in that way, but could I do more? And so I thought, how cool would it be if somehow I was able to influence the guy that she one day marries? Okay, but how could I do that most effectively? And I thought, well, I have a platform with my church, but there's other platforms out there that maybe I can use and leverage. And so what if I made YouTube videos that inspired some kid somewhere, someday to, follow God. Um, and that kid ends up marrying my daughter as long as I say he can. Um, <laughs> yeah. so that was the genesis of it. That was the genesis of it. And it has evolved a little bit since then. And it, it will continue to evolve. I've got a lot of thoughts and plans and pivots that I'm probably going to be making, but, but that was the genesis of it. Very cool. Yeah. I've, I've noticed that with YouTube channels or just social media in general, typically the first thing you try either does exceedingly well and then you're like i don't know what to do now or <laughs> nobody watches it and right, you wonder right. like is there something wrong with me <laughs> right yeah yeah you're right you're right um but tell me about like what you've been learning from building your youtube channel and specifically how everyday normal christians can utilize social media to not only share the gospel but really put themselves out there in a way that's productive to help people uh get closer to god yeah well i'll start there and, and um i'll start backward i'll answer the second question first i think to underestimate or undermine the value of social media or media in general in order to advance god's word uh would be to be an irresponsible christian it would mean that you are not handling the word of truth um adequately in the sense of proclaiming god's name or screaming it from the rooftops like jesus says to in matthew uh, when he's talking to his disciples, because it is the greatest platform and it is your greatest chance to reach as many people as possible. And I think our generation understands that um, in general. I think the older generation, the generation that has come before us, has a harder time understanding that, which is fine. Um, that's It's not their job to maybe get that right off the bat. Um, but it is, I think, their job to um, become aware of it, and it's our job to present that in a compelling way and help them understand that. But yeah, I just think th the same way I would be doing a disservice to um, to the people around me if I didn't talk about God, I would be doing a dis through you know just my words. I'd be doing a disservice to the people that I know socially through social media by not talking about God. And it's all about attention because you know my world is very much. Uh, pastoring and ministering and so in that sphere in the sphere of as a church builder i'm trying to help as many people come to christ i'll put it to you this way and and my fellowship of churches can really grasp this idea uh, an evangelist who is training up a campus minister if he were talking to that campus minister and that campus minister said oh i haven't spent any time in the dorms door knocking i haven't spent any time on campus sharing God's word. I haven't um, done any small groups that evangelists would probably fire him um, or her because they are not 
using what they understand to be the tools and the accessibility and um, they're not where the people are. In the same way, I believe that um, evangelists who do not leverage the platforms of video, websites, social media, Facebook um, to proclaim God's word are being irresponsible and are not doing all that they can do to reach as many people as possible. Because if I told the minister today, hey, would you like to preach in front of 300 new people? Would you like to preach a sermon, 300 new people, no one from your church, 300 new people that would potentially become Christians. Would, would you be okay with doing that? Can you prepare like a 30-minute lesson? I think every minister was, of course, I'd love to do that. Well, that's exactly what you can do on social media. Um, and so to not use that is, uh, is I believe, irresponsible. And, um, and uh, I hope people uh, change. That doesn't mean you need to know everything about social media. You can have others who know that, um, but to not leverage the platform is uh, is a sad and it's a shame. What was your first question? <laughs> no, that's, I, I actually want to kind of expand on something you said, which I totally agree with, which is uh, it's, it's important to keep your eye on the prize. Yeah. Right. To, to keep to not lose the forest for the trees that the goal is to get people to heaven. Right. The goal is not to have church be this organization or, or this system that we've created to right. be religious with each other. And then when a new opportunity comes along, say we're not going to do that because it doesn't fit inside of our system where you've, you just simply just lost sight of why you set up the system in the first place, which is to try and get people to heaven. Um, I, I don't remember my first question. <laughs> Your answer was so good. <laughs> um, but well, and uh, I think, and I think what I would tell, um, evangelists, pastors, church leaders who were raised in something traditional or something a little more old school is that I think the fear is often that they are sacrificing the message for the method. Um, but method always trumps message. And that's what I would encourage them to understand. Now, an older person who hears, I can go, whoa, whoa, whoa. You're saying the method trumps the message of Jesus Christ, our <laughs> Lord and Savior? And my answer is yes, unequivocally, 100%. And we understand this very simply. Uh, there have been plenty of times, you and I can, can attest to this, Travis, where we have had something we want to say to our wives, and our method of communication trumps what we're trying to say. How we say it can trump easily what we're saying. And so you and I and anybody listening to this podcast has at some point or another had something they need to say to someone. It may not have to be your spouse. maybe your parents. It may be your roommate. That's really important and that is sensitive. And you have spent a ton of time thinking about how you're going to say it, when you're going to say it, the tone that you're going to use, what trigger words you will say, what trigger words you won't say. And so the same is true with God's word, with God's message. The, the method is invaluable. And um, Jesus shows us that in the gospels all the time with how he delivers his message. Awesome. Couldn't, couldn't agree with you more, man. So, so kind of tying a bow on, on social media, YouTube, uh, I want to ask you like personally, how has making faith-based videos impacted you personally, impacted your relationship with God, impacted how you minister to other people. How has going through the exercise of creating a YouTube channel helped you personally? Vulnerability, uh, vulnerability and transparency. And uh, I think the, 
seeing the power of that more than I have before. Um, pretty honest about stuff on my channel, um, mistakes I've made, fights I had with my wife, um, failures, and uh, people respond to that. Uh, people connect with that. And I think I've felt that face-to-face, but I've not experienced that through a screen, you know, or through social media. Um, but so that's been impactful. But then I think the power of preparation is, uh, is, is enormous, you know, where I think you just recently started doing uh, everyday podcasts, right? Yes. That's what, so, that's what this is. Yes. <laughs> so you understand, you understand how important, uh, preparation is. And I think I, I had to learn, um, I had to humbly learn that I was not as disciplined uh, or as well prepared to do all that I had set out in my heart to do for God uh, as I thought I was. And I had to revamp and reorganize my schedule and the way I did things and how I spent my hours, my morning hours and my night hours um, in order to get everything done that I wanted to get done without taking away from my time with my family. Um, And then I think I realized I learned uh, new strengths and new weaknesses about myself. I think I, I learned that um, I am better at uh, communicating something I'm passionate about than communicating information that I believe is important. Um, and I think even to this day, I, I don't think that I, I, I mean, my channel hasn't been around that long. So, so to this day, it sounds like it's been around for forever, but um, I think I'm still struggling with uh, my comfortability in front of the camera compared to when I'm just preaching. And so some of my most recent videos have been just clips of sermons that I, or uh, one of my other, uh, one of the other evangelists in my church have done. And I think you can tell just my comfortability is so different, which I'm sure that comes with time, but uh, I thought I was going to be more comfortable in front of a camera than I actually was. And so um, I think I also realized that um, I can't wing things the way I thought I could. Um, So that ties into preparation. I love it. Love it. So uh, switching gears a little bit, I want to get like super practical with Mm -hmm. you and your, your personal uh, relationship with God. Cause I think there's so much that we can offer to each other, tips, tricks, hacks, just to Mm -hmm. to help being close to God, be more accessible and not feel as, is out there. Um, So what are some things that you like to do to to stay close to God? What are some things that you do on a daily, weekly basis to maintain that relationship? Take them on a date. Um, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. I've, I've done a picnics with God. Um, I will literally make, you know, a sandwich, get a drink and uh, go to the park, sit at the bench. And it's just me and God go on a date. We're hanging out. We're talking. Um, I, I love doing that. Uh, I take, I love driving uh, and I know not everybody feels this way, but um, I'm, I'm saying some unique things. I, obviously I could share just reading my Bible in the morning and praying, which I do, but I'm just sharing some different things that uh, maybe other people don't do. And they want to try. Um, I love going on a drive and putting in Will Reagan CD or, or someone else and, and just jamming out with God um, in the car. So I love to drive um, and listen to worship music. Um, that really helps me to, to connect and stay connected with God. And then again, I know not everybody does this or connects this way, but podcasts and sermons um, really help me. Uh, maybe it's because I'm a preacher and maybe that's, that's kind of my, I don't know, my, my wavelength that, that, that um, 
I mean, that's just how I connect. I'm not sure, but, but it really helps me to, um, to find a very specific subject and topic and, and hit it. Um, and so, so those are some ways that I connect, um, that I love. Uh, so. Awesome. Yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of taking God on dates. I thought I was the only one that did that. So I'm glad that I'm not crazy. <laughs> uh, what are some of the, the tools and resources that you like to use when you're trying to go deeper in your Bible study? So I have, um, my favorite commentary is a guy named David Guzik. And, uh, what I love, well, he's, yeah, he's my favorite. Yeah. David Guzik and Kaufman are my two favorites. Um, what I love about David Guzik is he not only pulls from a couple of different theologians, but he writes his commentary in a manner that is more 2018 than old English. So, uh, so I love that commentary. And then I like to, if I'm reading something, so right now I'm studying out, um, kind of Gideon's story and, and, um, studying out fear, fearlessness, courage, etc. Um, I like to pull from certain, preachers, certain speakers, certain teachers or theologians who've spoken on the subject So someone like Timothy Keller, if he's got something on, um, on uh, Gideon, I know it's going to go deeper. Like I know Timothy Keller's stuff is straight meat and potatoes. There is no milk involved, not a, not an ounce of liquid. And so, um, so I know he's going to take that deeper for me. Uh, but then tools like blue letter Bible, um, you know, help you with, uh, Greek and Hebrew and, looking at some some of those things last question for you nelson then i'll let you go what advice would you give to someone who wants to make an impact for god there's a quote that comes to mind uh, from a book called mission of god that says i may wonder what kind of mission god has for me when i should ask what kind of me god wants for his mission and i think that who you are is just as important as what you want to do for God. Um, and that needs to evolve, change and become whatever God wants it, you to, who you want, wants you to become in order for whatever you may one day envision um, you will do for God will happen. And then I think that this is just a personal thing that I would, that I would point out is to just check your, check your pride at the door. Um, and to really self-assess and to audit your heart about how much praise you desire. Um, because eventually every person realizes, every person comes to a point where you receive enough praise to realize that no amount of praise is enough. And, um, and so if you want to have an impact for God, I think I'm going to ask why and, and who are you? Um, but then, but then I think you got to pick something and go for it and you may be wrong with the first thing you pick, or you may even fail miserably and that's okay. Um, because you, you will not learn, you will not learn, you will not know for sure what God wants from you and all that you can do until you venture out and, and give something a shot. I love that. Where can people find you on social media? Uh, Son of Nil on YouTube and then Nilson G Ramirez on everything else. So Nilson, it's been a blast. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and uh, good luck with your, the future of your channel and everything else that you're doing down there in Tampa.
Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate you uh, having me on and wish you the best to continue to pray for your podcast. Love with your, what you're doing. Love how you're doing it. And um, I know God will, will bless your efforts. Well, I hope you really liked that interview uh, as much as I enjoyed doing it. Um, some things that we talked about that I really enjoyed was, well, one, just talking about ministry. I love uh, spitting ideas about ministry, about how to do ministry more effectively, things that, lessons that different people learn and things that God teaches them and how to incorporate them into our own ministries. Uh, I appreciate uh, that aspect of our conversation. I loved how he goes on picnic dates with God in order to stay close to him on a daily basis and you know, really setting aside special time to reinvest and re-engage in a really personable and uh, intimate way, something I think we can all learn from and take away. And then just seeing how social media really has the power to spread the gospel in a meaningful way that, you know, I, I love the the illustration he gave of if you were uh, a pastor and you were told that you could reach 300 new people every single week that weren't a part of your church to teach them about Jesus, to teach them about God, would you do it? And of course, the answer is yes, and that's exactly what we have with social media, that because of the internet, because of the power of the internet, we can take the gospel to places we would never be able to physically. Now, I left links in the details for this episode, in the show notes, for everything that we talked about, all the resources that Nilsson and I talked about, and uh, so go ahead and check those out if you are interested. Now, on next week's interview, I get to talk with Steve Staten, who has become a a good friend of mine. We met recently, and he is a specialist in conflict resolution. You know, we all deal with conflict. We all deal with arguments uh, with people from time to time. And so next week, we're going to dive into how to navigate the minefield that is conflict resolution. And uh, just to give you a sneak peek, here is a little clip of my interview next week with Steve. A really important piece in this is is becoming self-aware. Why am I the way I am? Because... I bring myself into a conflict, even if I am the innocent party in a conflict. Because often there is an innocent party in the beginning. But how I respond and manage that moment can either make me more innocent or complicit and become part of the problem. Well, that is it for today. Make sure to smash that subscribe button to get access to daily practical advice, just like what you heard today. Leave a review in Apple Podcasts and make sure to tune in tomorrow to hear my biggest takeaway from my interview today with Nilsson. Every day is an opportunity to grow closer to God and make a positive impact on the people around you. Take action with what you've learned and help make the world a little more like heaven. I'm Travis Albritton, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.